Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. So today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, you guys know that I try and keep things pretty light and fun and freely here on Blonde Hair, Black Heart. Um, you know, it's a comedy and pop culture podcast. We're talking about reality TV and, you know, things that are really light. And even when I do get into my personal life and tell, you know, little anecdotes and stuff, I, I do try and keep them light and funny. Um, and that's that's truly in my nature. That's That's kind of how I approach all things in life is I try to you know, find the humor in it and and if I can spin it into a joke and like make it something that we can all laugh at, even if it is um <laughs> maybe not the funniest of subjects. Um but I I wanted to come on here and talk to you guys a little more candidly and um a little more a, a, a literal a little more vulnerably, <laughs> if that's a word. Um I just wanted to come and talk to you guys about some stuff that's been on my mind and, and on my heart. And um, any of you who follow me on social media probably saw this weekend I was combating a lot of trolls, which is not anything new for me. I deal with trolls all the time. Um, but this was in regards to my adoption. Um, so, you know, most of my listeners know and, and, you know, my followers online know that my husband and I are in the midst of trying to adopt a baby. And so these trolls were coming out in droves, um, basically attacking mine and my husband's integrity and, and just kind of coming at us from from the lens of adoption is bad and it's always bad. Um, and that's not something that I agree with or subscribe to. Um you know, it, when I get trolls uh, from, like, the Bravoverse, it's really easy to to kind of just disregard them. Like, you know, if you don't like me because I don't like Lisa Rinna, like, that doesn't really affect me. Like, it doesn't cut me to my core if you think that I'm, like, boring or a loser or, like, you know, pandering to the fan base or whatever whatever people say. Like, that doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. Um, now, if you come at me for my Heather Dubrow love, like, that's another story. But truly, I can take the trolls. Um, it happens all the time. But in this regard, it was, like, people coming after us as people and... um coming at us and like not even questioning but um telling us that like th the love that we want to give to our future child or children is fake and um it is n not real and that it is rooted in um what they refer to as child trafficking and slavery um and just really really big heavy and dark terminology. Um, so I guess le let me go back a little bit. So, you know, if you're not too familiar with my story or, or mine and my husband's adoption journey, we are going uh, the route of working without an adoption agency for the time being, just because, you know, adoption agencies are extremely expensive. Um, and adoption in general is expensive. Um, and, and that is one of, you know, the uh, issues that a lot of these anti-adoption folk take, and we, we will get into that. Um, but so we're doing it sans an agency for the time being. You know, my husband works in marketing. I I am good at all of the marketing stuff. And that is really what an agency does is they kind of just help market you 
two birth moms to to find a potential match and then you you still have all of the like legal expenses and um you know all of that other stuff so we're trying to do to do it on our own um which requires us to be extremely um visible i guess that's the right word you know we're putting our faces and our names and our story out there as much as possible because we want to you know share it in the hopes that you know someone will see it and either they or someone they know will be in a position where they've been considering you know uh, choosing adoption um for their unborn child and we want them to know that they have options and that we are one of those options. Um, now, obviously, this has been like such a weird thing to navigate just in general. Like it, it is a very odd thing to be like, I don't know, it feels almost like online dating. Like we've built profiles for ourselves and we have like our accounts on these websites and all of that stuff. Um, and so it's a very odd uh dance to dance <laughs> uh but what was even weirder about it was just you know everything that happened this past year uh with roe v wade and and you know the overturning of abortion rights in a lot of states and you know there were all those people who were posting online with signs like we'll adopt your baby and we were like well we don't want to be those people like we 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 do want to adopt a baby but like we like we want to make sure that whoever does end up choosing us, if anyone, um, that they know that they had options that then and that they had choices and that, uh, you know, abortion was one of them and that keeping the baby was one of them and that, you know, choosing another family to raise their unborn child was one of them. And, and we hope that, um, you know, if that third option is the one that they're leaning towards, that they know that we're we're uh, an option as well. Um, it's never been to us about like give me your baby um that that just feels so weird and that is not the mindset that we take um but unfortunately it seems like that's what a lot of people see so i posted on twitter last week just you know basically a link to our website and just kind of saying you know as many of my followers know we're trying to adopt if you or anyone you know happens to be in this situation and is considering adoption please just think of us um and you know for the first like 24 to 48 hours the the responses were all so positive and so sweet and so supportive and you know people really just building us up and and rallying around us and letting us know that like you know we have people who are rooting for us and that are in our corner and that want to see us be dads. And, and that is so, so good to have. It's such a good feeling. And we're so grateful for that. But that quickly turned. And um, for the past like 24 hours or so, I have just been bombarded with anti-adoption trolls. And I, I really, I, I, I don't have any other word for them but trolls because of the way that they are approaching it and the vitriol that they are spewing and the things that they are saying not just about me and my husband but about adoptees in general and about adoptive parents in general um you know like i said a lot of referring to us as like sex traffickers like we're we're child we're trafficking children or we're like you know promoting child slavery or that we're like buying and selling kids and like 
you know, that is certainly not how we see it at all. And I, I stand firm in my belief that that is a very, very dark and damaging way to look at adoption. Um, now, like I said, obviously the adoption industry, and it is an industry, um, it is expensive and it is a money-making one. And, and I get why that icks people out. Like I totally understand. And in a perfect world, it, there would be a system in place where, where people who are willing and able to care for children could do so without there being this like financial element attached to it. Because obviously that would, that would, um, encourage a lot more people to, to adopt, which I think is a good thing. Um, but it also would discourage the scammers that are out there. And there are a lot of adoption scams that we've run into. It would also discourage what, you know, this isn't something that I've seen or isn't something that has really ever crossed my mind. But I, I mean, I'm sure that there are some people who know that they can get pregnant and give their baby up for adoption and, and have some some financial support during that time. You know, do do I really think that there are a lot of people out there who are like taking advantage of the system that way by like getting pregnant all the time? I mean, probably not, but I'm sure it happens. But here's the thing. There are people that take advantage of every system. And that doesn't mean that those systems should be dismantled. I mean, sure, we can reevaluate and we can think of better ways to approach it. But just because there are some people who might, um, you know, who might look at this from an opportunistic standpoint and see it as a money making grab, like, yes, I agree, that's gross. But that doesn't mean that adoption in general is a money making grab, you know? Um, I just. I, I I just have to believe that the majority of people out there have the best of intents on both sides. Like, you know, the the birth parents who are giving their kids up and the adoptive parents who are taking those kids in. Um, you know, another thing that was said by multiple people that really, really bothered me was just that... Um, you know, adoptive parents just want to, quote unquote, play house and that they will never be the real parents and that there will always be these these, you know, huge gaping uh, holes in the child's life and heart and soul where their old family was supposed to be. And I also don't agree with that. You know, I think that every situation is different. And I think that adoption um Yes, it can be traumatic, and I think that in a lot of cases it it has led to um, issues of identity and and people not you know knowing their background or where they're from. But this is also something that has been addressed in the system. You know, going through this process, we have done so much research, we have had so many classes and webinars, and talked with so many adoption professionals and adoptive parents and adoptees, and you know, we we now are are firmly of the belief that like, I mean, we know that that's not really what happens anymore. Like so many of these people that have been coming at me are older. They're, you know, in their 30s or 40s or 50s, and they were adopted during a time when closed adoptions were the thing. And it was really hush hush. And the files were sealed. And your old life was kept a secret. And I agree that that is extremely traumatic and leads to a lot of issues, which is why that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, I think like, you know, don't quote me on this, but the the last statistic I read was something in like the 90, the 90th percentile 
like of all adoptions are open adoptions where there's some form of communication between the birth parents and the adoptive family and and you know every single adoption professional or agency or anyone that we've talked to has has really said like that is not only important but it's also the norm at this point um matt and i actually had a, a zoom call with an adoption agency that we've been talking to um like a week or two ago and and they straight up said like if you want a closed adoption like if that's something you're looking for where you don't want any communication with the birth mom or the birth parents like do not sign up with us because we do not support that so i understand adoptees concerns and if they've had you know personal traumas from not knowing where they where they've come from or, or you know what their uh their like blood lineage is i understand that but that is being addressed and that can be addressed and like telling people that 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 is something that um is like a finite trauma in every single person that's ever been adopted is I, I I don't I don't buy it. I just don't. Um, you know, I I I'm not adopted, but I have immediate family members who are adopted. My husband has immediate family members who are adopted. We both have friends who are adopted. We have family friends who are adopted. And, you know, I have connected with so many people throughout this process who have been adopted. And what I find so baffling to me is that these you know, uh, anti-adoption anti-adoption voices who are coming at me so intently and so, like, with so much nastiness and vitriol, are basically demanding that I listen to their voices and their negative lived experiences over the positive lived experiences of other adoptees that I've heard from. You know, I even saw one of my followers who is adopted chiming in and saying, like, to one of these people, like, stop invalidating my family. Like, my adoptive family is my family. And what you're saying is invalidating that. And the other person just kind of responded back and was like, "Ugh, you have, like, adoption trauma fog. And it was just so dismissive. Like, like you are you're you're basically accusing me and my husband and, and adoptive parents of dismissing the voices of adopted children. But you literally just did that. You just told another adopted person that they're what they're saying isn't true. Um, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I know this is super heavy and it's a lot. And like what a weird nuanced conversation um, to to be having right now. But it's what I'm dealing with and you guys are always there for me. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I felt like I needed to kind of talk through this for my own mental well-being. I, Matt and I went out uh, to lunch yesterday. We went and got Mexican food while all of this was happening. And I literally started crying at the table, like tears dripping into my salsa. So, um, <laughs> and, and, and because like, again, I can take the trolls and it, you know, yes, it hurts having people question our integrity and our, uh, I guess, our morals or like our intentions in, in wanting to create a family. But I can kind of get past that because I know what our morals and our intentions are. Um, the thing that just really, really, really like was a gut punch to me was, you know, the people saying that adopted kids or adoptive families are just, you know, playing house and that they're not real families and that their love isn't real and that um, it's all a farce, basically. 
And literally the night before all of this, you know, uh, started, you know, coming up, we were at our friend's house with another couple who are, you know, two gay dads of a young three-year-old son. And they're good friends of ours. We were, you know, I'm last week I talked about how we went up to the snow. They were up there with us. So like we've seen them, you know, we see them raising their, their kid and we see them as the loving family unit that they are. And to hear or read, I guess, to read other people, not even, like I said, not even questioning it, but like, you know, asserting that it is bullshit basically. Um, it just it broke my heart. It, it yeah. I mean, like I said, I was crying into my salsa over it. It just, um, yeah. It really affected me, and I want it. I want to be very clear that like I am not opposed to listening to negative stories from adoptees or adoptive parents or or anyone involved. You know, I am not opposed to having dialogue, even when it is not beautiful and happy and fluffy. You know, I think it's important to to hear all sorts of stories, um, you know, as we navigate this adoption journey and as we go into parenthood. Like, I think that that's important for parents, period. Like, when, when you're talking, when you're going to be a new parent or you're hopeful to be a new parent or you're, you know, pregnant or whatever and you're talking to people, like, you want to hear everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between because that's how you fully prepare yourself. So I, I want to be very clear that, like, none of this is is about people with an opposing viewpoint or people who have had negative adoption experiences, you know, coming and trying to talk or, or having a voice like that is fair. And I am always and and have always been willing to engage with people who approach it from a respectful place and from the understanding that their experience is just that it's their experience. Um, that's that's not the issue. The issue is when people come out of nowhere and start like, you know, telling people who they are and that that who they are is a piece of shit and a sex trafficker and a slave owner and like all of these horrible horrible things um i just don't understand how anyone can start like you know coming at a stranger online and thinking like yeah this is going to change their mind like this is this is what's going to get through to them you're crazy you're crazy like if you really want people to hear you like say like have a fucking respectful dialogue, you know? Like, I get it that that these are emotional, nuanced conversations and topics, and, like, there are a lot of emotions involved, but when did, like, just trolling strangers online ever accomplish anything? Like, I, I honestly, what has it accomplished? So, yeah, this was my 20-minute venting stream of consciousness uh just trying to get things off of my chest um ultimately i know that this is really just um like a a practice run for what's to come because i know you know once we actually do have a child or children then we're gonna start getting the like well where's their mom they need a mom why don't they have a mom like (sighs) (sighs) i'm already exhausted and i'm not even a dad yet but I am ready for when it does happen. I'm ready to be a dad. I'm ready for... Mostly I'm ready for people to just, like, stop questioning me. Like, there are so many fucking... Stop questioning people in general. Just, like, mind your business. Mind your business. There are so many people out there who are, like, 
absolute shit shows, terrible parents, have no business raising kids, and here they are, like, like screaming into Twitter about strangers that they've never met before. Like, on, like mind your fucking business. <sighs> okay, I do feel better. I really do. Thank you guys for listening. If you've made it this far, I appreciate you. If you've just been like skipping ahead, you know, you're just hitting the like 15 seconds button, 15 seconds button, 15 seconds button. You've almost made it. Maybe go like 15 seconds further and you'll be at the Real Housewives reviews or recaps or whatever the fuck it is I do on this podcast. I'm I'm tired, guys. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plum, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Sinmin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Cinnamon has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Sinmin definitely helps. Okay, let's talk about the Real Housewives of Miami from last week. So Larsa has dropped a major bomb in Nicole's lap, saying that she heard that Nicole slept with every doctor at her hospital. So this is a really fucked up accusation, because as Nicole says later, this could have major ramifications. She could lose her job over this. Nicole nails it. Larsa drops these type of bombs in these moments for shock value or for attention or because she's just a bitch, I don't know. But it's a weird thing that she does. She did it to Lisa at the beginning of the season too. You know, she gets her feelings hurt, justifiable or not, and she starts playing this weird game of payback. It's immature, messy, and not a cute look. And in this case, it's not justifiable, just FYI. Larsa is pissed, apparently, because Nicole said that she didn't know Larsa. Larsa, in her talking head confessional, is like, what do you mean you didn't know me? I was a real housewife. I was married to Scottie Pippen. But Nicole didn't know you. Being recognizable isn't the same thing as being friends with someone, Larsa. Plus, you aren't recognizable. You literally look like a different person. Larsa says it's because Dr. Nicole must be insecure, but like, have you seen Nicole? Or her diplomas? Like, what exactly is she insecure about when it comes to Larsa Pippin? Does Nicole want to be dumped by Kim Kardashian too or something? Then Larsa calls Nicole fake, and honestly, I almost spit out my Dutch brother's large ice golden eagle. Larsa, the walking blow-up doll, calling someone else fake. 
It's actually a joke, right? Like Lars is doing stand-up comedy now? Speaking of satire, Adriana got a BBL after spending all of last season making fun of Larsa's BBL. Ugh, I can't. These women are too much. Gertie has a game night with her family and introduces us to a new character, Mano. And honestly, get this man a mojito. Like, I am intrigued. <laughs> I want to see his home. I want to see his family. I want to see all the skeletons in Mano's closet. Nicole and Anthony are planning their engagement party, but the conversation quickly becomes a Larsa shit-talking session. Anthony makes some great points, though. She has only ever earned anything on her back, or on an app now, I guess, and that she's jealous of anyone that has earned their own success. Look, he's not wrong at all, and I know a lot of people feel like the men should stay out of it and probably think he's a jerk for saying these comments, but like, he's not saying them to Larsa. It's a scene with him and his wife on a date. This is exactly what he should be saying. Meanwhile, Larsa's at home receiving a delivery from Nicole. It's a mirror with a lovely little poem that Nicole has written about how Larsa is the fakest one of them all, and she can see herself uninvited from the engagement party. Uh, Nicole's a doctor, she never called herself a poet. The best part about this petty, petty read, though, is that it was seemingly simple, maybe even a little bit stupid, uh, but Larsa was too dumb to even get it. Gertie had to basically explain to Larsa what it said. Larsa's so stupid. Now, don't get me wrong, like I said, Nicole was so petty with this, like petty as hell, but iconic and petty, legendary and petty. Like, it's so ridiculous, I am so here for it. Later on, we're at Nicole's party, and honestly, I feel bad for Larsa that she was uninvited, because this party looks lit. It's gorgeous, first of all. I mean, you guys know I love myself a gold, sparkly theme. And Nicole's dad is there, hitting on Kiki and generally causing a ruckus, so basically, it's a, it's a party. <laughs> but it's endearing. Like Kiki says, here's to a fun, beautiful night, baby. Marisol sees Nicole's dad from across the party, and she can't get him off her mind. She keeps talking about how he reminds her of her old Miami days running around with drug dealers, and she needs another hit right now, so she goes and mingles with him for a bit, probably getting his pager number. Later on, Marisol's explaining how she and her partner, I forget his name, I want to say Steve, had a spiritual ceremony but not a legal one because she wants to keep her fortune. <laughs> and obviously, the conversation naturally leads to prenups. Julia explains that she doesn't have a prenup with Martina. So, okay, Matt and I don't have a prenup, but we also didn't have any money when we got married. <laughs> um... It's like an interesting thing though, because usually prenups are put in place because there are like financial differences between the two parties, but sometimes that happens later on in the marriage. So like, can you do a mid-nup? Or like an already in the nup? I'm also curious if there's anyone out there listening that got a prenup despite being broke. Like, Matt and I decided that we didn't need to because there were no assets to divide at that time, but like, has anyone else in this situation um, decided that they wanted to write up a prenup for other reasons? If so, what were they? DM me. I'm very curious about this. Not that I'm like looking to get a mid-nup, um, as I I've decided to call them. Um, really just, you know, just curious. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why I'm curious. I guess I just really like to know other people's financial situations. I mean, I look up everyone's house on Zillow when they give me their address, so it is what it is.
right, let's talk about this week's Real Housewives of Potomac. The ladies are still in Mexico, reeling from Karen and Charisse's fight. Giselle and Mia are chatting about how they think Karen is jealous of Charisse and how Wendy is jealous of Mia, but in regards to both of these situations, I just have one question to ask. Jealous of what? Your ugly leather pants? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but so uh, Mia then discusses her friendship or lack thereof at this point with Jacqueline. And Mia doesn't even want to talk to her, but Giselle encourages it because we know Giselle loves mess. And so do we. Ashley and Karen sit down to talk about Karen's issues with Robin. Ashley tries to mention Charisse, but Karen quickly shuts it down. She don't even want that woman's name mentioned around her. Karen takes it back to the Robin of it all, and mainly that Robin's wedding is a non-starter, her relationship is phony, and Juan has a girlfriend who looks just like Karen. Karen asks Ashley not to mention this to Robin because Karen wants to have her own moment with her. But Ashley is too damn messy to keep this in. She immediately runs and tells Candace and Wendy. Like, literally two seconds had passed. Robin walks up just then, looking like, I don't know, like a substitute teacher or like a chaperone on a school trip? Her outfit is horrible, and her hair is from 2002. On the bus, the girls are having a good time talking about porn and boob jobs, but we just know the fun isn't going to last for too long. While shopping, Ashley tells Robin about what Karen had been saying, and Robin immediately picks up her phone and calls Juan to seemingly get some support or have him deny it on camera, but he just gets mad at Robin. His response is so weird, TBH. Like, if it were me and someone were telling me rumors about my husband that I claim to be ridiculous, I would just laugh it off. Like, I don't know, I wouldn't yell at my partner, and I certainly wouldn't expect them to yell at me. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, it just seemed off. But then again, Robin and Juan just seem off. At the lunch table later, Robin says to the group that she thinks Karen is fake and phony. What's funny to me is that it seems like they're both saying the same thing about each other. Karen also thinks Robin is fake and phony. Her relationship is fake and phony. Those chunky highlights are fake and tacky. But for real, the fights happening this season don't seem to be about any real substantiated issues. It's just that they all hate each other and they're all talking about how much they hate each other and they sheathe it in some phony rationale, but they just hate each other. Karen tells Robin what she thinks about her, and Robin finds another opportunity to use her phone as a prop. She pulls out a photo of Karen, allegedly, it's just her back after all, with some guy at a bar watching a football game. We don't even get to see the picture, nor does Karen, but it doesn't seem like it's anything too scandalous. Like, it's not a photo of her making out with someone. I mean, don't we all have photos with some random dude at a bar? Robin tells Karen that Juan is about ready to cuss her out, which, like, I don't know if you want to be telling everyone that your man wants to cuss out an old lady, but okay. Then Karen drops the bomb that Juan doesn't just have a girlfriend that looks like her, but that at one point in time he actually propositioned Karen herself. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, 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 wow. Giselle asks how Mia and Jacqueline are doing, and it immediately goes left. Jacqueline says that she has had Mia's back when none of these women did, just like her mom had her back when she took her in. Then Mia swipes back, saying, Then where were you with your mama on Mother's Day? Oh, hell nah! Then Mia tells the other ladies, This is just Jacqueline. None of our other friends even talk to her anymore because she's so exhausting. Ugh, Mia is awful! awful. At this point, I'm fully convinced that she brought Jacqueline on the show just to destroy her. 
it's so sad. Like, okay, I think... I think Mia realized after her first season that she really can't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the actual cast, hence why we see her apologizing to Wendy later with her tail between her legs, so she brought on someone she knew was an easy target for her, Jacqueline. Like, the fact that Mia is completely unwilling to even talk to her forever friend, but is now planning a slumber party for Wendy, it's weird. It's weird! Mia is weird. Another weird thing about this episode, did you guys notice how many times Ashley said the word coochie? It was at least four, which is a lot for a one-hour program, you know? <laughs> like, we need a coochie counter for Potomac. One coochie, two coochie, three coochie, four. Speaking of coochies, apparently the women all flash their coochies to each other at the club. And according to Wendy, Mia even went so far as to say that she wanted to eat Wendy's coochie. Scenes from next week bring the coochie-eating combo to a head, no pun intended. And frankly, I'm hungry to see what happens. Okay guys, that's it for today. Thank you for sticking with me through a kind of weird and different episode this week. You know I love you, um, and next week we will just be back to basics, none of the bullshit. But as always, please follow me on social media at blondehairblackheart. That way you can like see the trolls for yourself. And I don't know. To those of you who, who do follow me and did see the trolls and defended me, I fucking love you guys. And I'm so sorry that you had to get wrapped up in all of that. But um, m most of the time... My social media is a ton of fun, so go follow, uh, like, or subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and of course, please go give me a five-star rating or review if you like what you're listening to. And if you don't, then just turn it off. Don't go leave a bad review. Like, that's Karen shit. Okay, love you guys. Till next time. Bye!